0: If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about IRAs, specifically self-directed IRAs, and how you make mistakes with that. Joining me today is Bill Neville. He's a business development manager of InTrust Group. Welcome to the show, Bill.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Heather. Happy to be here.
0: All right, so I think we might want to start, what is a self-directed IRA? Now, I yeah. have a financial app on my phone, and I can put money into an IRA, but there's a bunch of different apps out there, like Acorns, Mint, Stash, Personal Capital, a, a whole bunch out there. Is that the type of program that you're talking about when you say a self-directed IRA?
1: Not Exactly. So with an IRA, when you have any kind of retirement account, whether it's a traditional IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, the rules require that you hold the money with a custodian. I'm not an expert on those various apps, so I'm not necessarily going to talk about those apps specifically, but just more generally the concept of IRAs. So most people's custodian when they have an IRA is a bank or brokerage firm, like a Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab, Fidelity Vanguard. My guess is, is through like Acorn, you said that when you choose an IRA, I, I would be surprised if they're a custodian. My guess is, is they probably work with a custodian like a Merrill Lynch or Fidelity or Charles Schwab and that they're providing a, a resource for you to establish an account under one of those custodians. But I'm, I'm speculating a little bit, but, but in order for an IRA to be an IRA, it requires a custodian, right? It requires a financial services company. Most people who have a retirement account, their their custodian is like I mentioned, a bank or brokerage firm—Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And those banks and brokerage firms, they advise you, right? Like they have advisors on staff. They'll, you know, they'll, you can schedule an appointment with them, and they'll talk about what your risk tolerance is, what your goals are, what your age is, and then they'll say, "Okay, here's some uh, some investments we recommend." Those investments that they recommend are all going to fall into a very narrow range of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, right? They're probably not going to say, hey, we think you should go buy a rental property or you should invest in this privately held company. What they're going to recommend is you buy from their list of funds that they work like with the fund companies they work with, the Putnam Funds and the Vanguard Funds and people like that. They'll they'll have some, some investments that they'll suggest that you invest in and they're all going to fall under this umbrella of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Because of that, Most people think that the only thing you're allowed to invest in inside a retirement account are stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. But in reality, the IRS says you can invest in almost anything you want inside your retirement account. You could buy a rental property. You can invest in promissory notes. You can invest in tax liens and trust deeds and privately held companies, privately held funds. Like, I could go on and on. But you have to have your account with a custodian who is willing to process and hold what those investments are that you want to make that we call a non-traditional investment, non-traditional investment being anything other than a stock bond and mutual fund. So that's where my company comes in. That's Entrust Group comes in. So Entrust, which is the custodian. So we are a custodian, just like Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab, Fidelity. And we provide all the custodial and record-keeping services that enable you to invest in non-traditional investments. You can buy real estate. You can buy precious metals. You can invest in privately held companies. However... The other difference is, is, from Marilyn Charles Schwab, is we don't give you any advice. We don't have any advisors on staff. So we don't have a list of, of investments for you to choose from. It's up to you as the account holder to go find whatever investment it is that you want to make. So that's the definition of self-directed retirement account. It's, it's a description of the service we provide. It's not a type of account. When you open an account with us, you're still going to open either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, a SEP IRA, a 401k, the same way that you would with Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, all those companies. But the difference is that they advise you. We don't advise you. They limit you to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. We don't limit you. As long as the investment that you want to make is allowed under the Internal Revenue Code, and there are only a few things that you're not allowed to invest in inside a retirement account, and I can talk about those. As long as it's not prohibited by the Internal Revenue Code, then we will act as custodian. We'll provide all the custodial and record-keeping services but that's all that we do again we don't give advice we don't do due diligence on the investment like it's up to you to go find the investment do your own research and due diligence and then you come back and you instruct us you say okay i found the rental property i want to buy transfer the money over to us and we go buy the property under your ira and now your ira owns that property which means your ira receives income your ira pays bills it's just it's a way to diversify your it's a long answer to a short question but it's a way to diversify your retirement account portfolio outside of being limited to just stocks, bonds, and mutual
0: Before we get on to the mistakes that we can make if we do this, Merrill Lynch, all of those that you mentioned, they charge a fee to help you manage your account or to advise you. What type of fees does interest charge?
1: Yeah, I mean, our fees comparatively, like and not just trust, but the self-directed industry in general, like even looking at some of our competitors, our fees tend to be dramatically less than you would pay to any Bank or brokerage firm. So we charge since we're not selling you any investments and we're not taking commission. We we simply um, have transaction record keeping fees. So for example, in our specific case, we have a one-time new account establishment fee of fifty dollars to open the account. We have a one-time transaction fee to process your investment, which is either ninety-five dollars for a non-real estate investment like a privately held company, or one hundred seventy-five dollars if it's a real estate investment. You're you're going to buy a rental property, for example. And then we have an annual record-keeping fee where among, we have two fee options, either a fee based on the value of the account that could be as low as $199 a year, or we also offer a fixed per asset fee, a flat fee based on the number of assets, which is $299 a year. So you could hold, let's say, a $200,000 property as an investment inside your account, and we're only charging you $299 a year. Right? Like, I mean, most, right. most banks and brokerage firms are charging around 1% to 2% you're talking around 0.15%, like it's it's a it's a fraction of what.
0: Let's say I did personally find a piece of real estate I want to invest. Why would I have you buy the property is it in your name then?
1: The full name of your retirement account would be it's standard naming convention is some version of custodian name for benefit of the account holder's name and account number. So the actual owner if you were to buy a property would be the trust group FBO stands for for benefit of the Entrust Group, FBO, Heather Kelly, account number, whatever your account number ends up being. So the the reason that you would do with us is because in order to make an investment inside your retirement account, it has to be done by the custodian. You have to. So like if you have an IRA with Merrill Lynch and you want to purchase a fund or you want to purchase Apple stock, for example, they don't give you the money and you go buy it you actually have to use their platform to go buy it, and now that is held inside your retirement account. It's not held by you personally. So the same thing with the property. It's owned by your retirement account, and it requires the custodian to be the signatory on behalf of your retirement account. Like if you have a property you want to buy, that purchase contract that's in the name of your IRA, the Entrust Group, FBO, Heather Kelly, IRA number, that paperwork actually has to come to us for review and signature. But everything's done at your instruction. Like, we don't do anything without you, the account holder, saying, hey, I found this property I want to buy. I negotiated the price. Here's the amount I'm going to pay for it. You transfer all over the money to us. You send us the paperwork. We review it. We sign it. And we send the money directly to the the seller or to escrow or title or, you know, like the normal procedure you go through buying property. And then once it's it's owned by your IRA, it's still – you as the account holder, you make all the decisions in terms of, do you want to rent it out? If so, how much? You find the tenant. You like work with the tenant and you instruct the tenant to pay your IRA any rent that needs to be paid. Like Everything is done. That's all your responsibility. Again, that's the self-directed part of it. But in order to make it legal, for it to be legally compliant to be held inside a retirement account, it requires a custodian, requires a third party to actually hold the money and hold custody of the asset. And then we do annual reporting to the IRS is required. If you take a withdrawal, we report to you. You have online access to your account to review statements, see transactions, like all the same services that you would get from a bank or brokerage firm when you have your retirement account, except the difference is, is that it's a self-directed account. You're investing in, you know, outside the just stock bond mutual fund.
0: We need to take a break, but this is a good place to do it, because when we come back, we're going to talk about those mistakes that you could possibly make now that we understand what a self-directed IRA is. So we'll be right back with Bill Neville. He is a business development manager at InTrust Group. A gun in the face.
1: Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today
0: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome
0: back to... that it affects your life financially in any way, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about mistakes you could be making if you invest in a self-directed IRA. Joining me today is Bill Neville. He is a business development manager at Intrust Group. And Bill, we already discussed in that first segment what a self-directed IRA is. So now that I understand, what are the mistakes I'm about to make?
1: Obviously because of the self-directed IRA, the due diligence is your responsibility and, and you don't have anybody like, we're not going to have any advisors on staff to review your transaction or review the investment for you as terms of quality. I would say like the, the, the one thing I would re- recommend or have people understand is that it is, you're going to be your responsibility to do all your own due diligence. So make sure whatever you choose to invest in, particularly if it is like a, a privately held company or private fund, that you, you know, do as much diligence as you can. That being said, there are certain rules around what's called prohibited transactions, right? So this is the, the biggest potential mistake that somebody could make is that they engage in a prohibited transaction inside their retirement account. And the overarching theme around these prohibited transactions is that you're not allowed to engage in self-dealing. So what that means is that in the Internal Revenue Code, there are specific rules around people that are considered disqualified persons to your IRA, right? So you, as the account holder, your spouse, your ancestors, your lineal descendants, and spouse of lineal descendants are all considered disqualified persons to your IRA. So let me explain, like some examples of how you might create a prohibited transaction. Okay. When you use your IRA to buy, let's say, real estate, for example, that has to be for investment purposes only. A disqualified person is never allowed to use a property owned by the IRA. So, as I mentioned, let's say you have, you know, you have an IRA that you want to invest in real estate. You, Heather, can't ever use the property for personal use because you're a disqualified person to your IRA. As is your spouse, as is your ancestors, so parents, grandparents, as are your lineal descendants, so children, grandchildren, and then spouses of the lineal descendants. So, if kids who get married. None of those people can ever use the property for personal use. So if you have a child who's in college and you think, this is great, I'm going to buy a property you use in my IRA and my daughter can stay there for four years in college, that's prohibited, even, right? Even if they You're, pay me rent? Even if they pay, they wouldn't pay you rent, they would pay the IRA rent. right? And no, even if they pay rent, like they're not, they're just never allowed to use it for personal use. Also not allowed to put any sweat equity into the property. So if you, you, if you buy a property using your IRA, you're not allowed to paint it yourself, cut the grass, clean it. Like all that stuff has to be done by non-disqualified third parties, right? I'm
0: trying to save money here. I am not going to pay money to a landscaping team to mow the lawn when I am perfectly capable of doing it myself.
1: And you're, you're free to do that, but just know that you're violating the rules as written by the internal revenue code and potentially putting your IRA at risk. That's, that's all I'm saying, right? Like it's, Ultimately, it's up to you to decide whether you want to follow the, the rules as, they, as they're, you know, created, but those are the rules, right? And so, um, so that's the most frequent thing that, like, we people – the other thing is, is that – and this is, is often corrected on our part before the transaction goes through, but when people look at their retirement account and they say, well, I'm buying a property, you're technically not buying a property, the IRA is buying a property. So what often happens is the paperwork comes to us and it shows Heather Kelly is the buyer on the property. We have to send the paperwork and say no, no, Heather's not buying the property. It has to be in the name of the retirement account. We see that all. That's an easily correctable fix, though. Like that, you know, we'll correct that before the transaction ever goes through because we have to review the paperwork. But that's we see that every like probably seventy five percent of transactions come through the first time they come through. It shows. The individual is the buyer as opposed to the retirement accounts.
0: What are some other mistakes I could make as I venture into this new way of doing an IRA?
1: The mistakes that we see are all sort of around the theme of engaging in prohibited transactions. So I could give you a bunch of examples of how prohibited transactions can occur. Like, for example, your IRA can lend money, but it can't lend money to a disqualified person, right? I already mentioned that a disqualified person can't stay in a property or work on the property. The other issue that we see a lot of times is that one of the things that you can do in an IRA, instead of having your IRA hold direct title on a property, a lot of people establish an LLC where the IRA becomes the member or owner of the LLC and then the LLC owns the property, right? So it's the difference between the IRA owning the property directly versus the IRA owning an LLC and the LLC owning the property. The reason for doing that is that it gives the account holder checkbook control over the IRA funds. If your IRA owns direct title on the property, any rental income for the property has to come directly to the IRA. Any expenses like property taxes, insurance, maintenance, has to be paid from the IRA. And so everything is done. You have to instruct and trust to pay every bill. But with an LLC, you can be the manager of your LLC. The IRA is the owner or the member of the LLC that you can be the manager, which means you're the signatory on behalf of the LLC. You establish the bank account. The LLC is receiving the income, the LLC is paying the bills, and you're the signatory on that, right? Right. That's a way that you can do it.
0: Really quickly, for anybody who doesn't know, an LLC is a limited liability corporation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good. Thanks. You're welcome. One of the mistakes that we see a lot of times is that when your IRA owns the LLC and the LLC owns the property, the flow of money has to go from the IRA to the LLC, the LLC buys the property, from the property back to the LLC, from the LLC back to the IRA, One of the mistakes that we see people make is that when they have this LLC, instead of having the money, like if they want to take money for personal use, instead of having the money go from the LLC back to the IRA and taking the withdrawal from the IRA, they just start withdrawing money directly from the LLC. And that's not allowed because they don't own the LLC. The IRA owns the LLC. The money has to go back to the IRA and then they take the withdrawal from the IRA. So we've seen mistakes around the LLC concept of people not following the proper protocol of going between IRA to LLC, LLC back to IRA from the investment to the LLC back to the IRA. Like they start taking personal withdrawals or they start using money to, in ways that the LLC was not intended. The LLC is, was intended to be used for investment purposes only. That's, that's a, a, a mistake that's easy to make. It's easily correctable that they can put the money back and then, you know, reverse their transaction and have it flow back. But, that is, again, it's all around the theme of self dealing, which is like you can't just start taking personal withdrawals. You have to have it all go back to the IRA.
0: Well, it sounds like a self directed IRA opens up a whole bunch of new windows for people for investment to then use later on in their retirement. But it also comes with a whole bunch of rules and regulations that you really need to know about before you maybe actually start doing a self-directed IRA, especially if I don't have any guidance or counseling from whatever company I'm going to use for my self-directed IRA.
1: Yes, I, I would agree with both of those comments that I don't know if I'd say a whole bunch of rules and regulations, but there's some very specific rules and regulations you have to be careful of. But any IRA custodian like the Untrust Group or anybody that you work with should have will have people who can answer questions excuse me, answer your questions and make sure that you know what the rules are, right? Like you, if you're working with an IRA custodian, self-direct IRA custodian, and they don't have anybody who is sort of giving the same information that I'm giving and answering these types of questions, then you should change custodians. But I think pretty much us and all of our competitors, I think part of our role is to help make sure that you are compliant, right? That is part of our role. And so as custodian, we're not going to let you do anything that you're obviously not allowed to do. Now the example I gave with the LLC, if you start taking withdrawals from the LLC, we as interest wouldn't know that. So we can't tell you not to do that. But if you come and ask and say, "Hey, can I take money from the directly from the LLC?" we'd say absolutely not. It has to come back to the IRA. You take the withdrawal from the IRA. So I think as long as you have conversations with your IRA custodian, there're going to be people there who are going to be able to help, you know, assist with that. But there are, for sure there are there are definitely rules and regulations that They exist for all IRA custodians, but they become more needed and more involved when you have a self-directed IRA than as opposed to when you're investing in a stock or mutual fund with a Merrill Lynch. Like self-dealing doesn't really become an issue.
0: If people want to get into self-directed IRAs and have more questions about it before they do, where can they contact
1: you? So we have a website, which is dot entrustgroup.com. And then you'll actually see on there, like I'm one of four business development managers with Entrust. And so if you go to the list of contacts on there, you'll you'll come across me. We're located in Oakland, California.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. Again, you are Bill Neville, business development manager of Entrust Group, and you've helped Give us a, a, a little overview of what a self-directed IRA is, and that we all need to know that there are some specific rules to know before we start making those mistakes.
1: Thanks for having me, Heather. I, I appreciate being able to to get more word out about self-directed IRAs. Not a lot of, not enough people know about.
0: Them. Yeah, I certainly didn't. I learned something new today, so thank you.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Heather. Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
1: Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
0: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.
1: It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it.
0: I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately...